0: Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning online and in person. Uh, I'm so glad to get to introduce to you our preacher this morning, although many of you will already know this person, Marlon Foster. He's here with Sheila and his two daughters. You know, when I was interviewing at Redeemer, uh, you know, going through this process, I kept hearing about that Redeemer has this sister church, this partner church, Christ Quest. that Redeemer has become friends with, that we've done joint services with. Many of you have told me that, Uh, Doing these partner services with us together is your favorite thing about uh, being a part of Redeemer, and I'm so sad we can't do these joint services because of COVID and because of uh, the state of the world, but Marlon was so uh, gracious enough to join us this morning. He is the founding pastor of Christ Quest Community Church here in South Memphis and has been so since 2005. You'll also know that Marlon is the executive director of Knowledge Quest here in Memphis. You know, Ben and I went to go visit with Marlon uh, a couple of months ago just to get to meet him, and he gave us the grand tour of everything that he's got going on and him and his team have got going on in South Memphis. And uh, it was amazing to see what they are doing. It, it, they have such a uh, unique and holistic approach to serving and meeting the needs of uh, this really important part of our city. Uh, so, for example, they showed us tons of different classrooms with uh, computer labs for after-school programs for kids. Uh, he gave us a tour of the Universal Parenting Place site, which has this amazing coffee shop in the on the first floor. And this space offers support and resources for parents in, in that community. Uh, they're even thinking about food uh, sustainably. And so uh, many of you know, and you've helped pull some of the weeds across the street at uh, the Greenleaf Farm, this enormous uh, beautiful garden right in the middle of of uh, their neighborhood. In fact, he is, uh, Marlon is even thinking about putting in and working on putting in an apiary in that community. An apiary, which is, you know, a, a beehive for, for fresh honey and on and on and on and on. There's all these amazing things that they're doing. It's just mind blown. And so, uh, I am so thankful to have uh, Marlon and his family in this city. I'm so thankful uh, to have them here with us at Redeemer this morning and for, and for preaching and giving us Jesus this morning. I'm so sad that it has to be in this setting where, where both of our church families can't be together, but um, here we are. COVID has changed the plans for a lot of things, and uh, but we're just grateful to have the fosters with us anyway. So even if you're at home on your couch, Uh, Let's give a warm welcome to Marlon Foster. Thank you for being here and for giving us the word this morning.
1: Good morning. Pastor Matt, Pastor Ben, to the company we got a small crowd here in the room it's bigger than the crowd i usually have so we just kind of double or triple my usual you know upstairs (laughs) bedroom my home sanctuary but we're so grateful to be here and to share to the redeemer family to the christ quest family that we'll be sharing this broadcast with it's it's just a blessing to be in this space you know just the building and the sensory uh, that reminds me of our fellowship and our connection. And I too want to join those members that have shared uh, that our fellowship is uh, one of the highlights of their time of worship. For me as well, it is definitely, I think, one of the highest uh, forms of kingdom growth uh, that we're involved in through this fellowship and what we'll all collectively you know, learn and share and take into the world in the way we engage want to share a word on today. So excited. This is the way we usually do it. We come together and uh, I share a word over at uh, Redeemer. Redeemer, and you all come and your pastor shares a word over at Christ Quest. So we're going to keep that same tradition going. Another text has been lifted up. You've seen as a part of your, um, as a part of our worship uh, bulletin and sharing. And I want to go right there um, on today as we look as a peculiar story that's found in the Gospel of Luke. Found in the Gospel of Luke. Come on, turn with me, if you have your text close by, to the 13th chapter of Luke, and we'll look beginning at the 10th verse. Give you a second to turn there, get your digital Bibles out again. It's so exciting to have Sheila and the girls with me, two of our three that are here hanging out, amen. All right, 13th chapter Luke, the 10th verse, allow me to read through the 13th. It says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and in no wise could lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. For a little while I wanna talk about when things go topsy-turvy. Just as a brief word before God, Lord God let the words of my mouth and even the meditations of my heart be accepted in thy sight Oh Lord, thou art my strength and thou art my redeemer. Amen. When things go topsy turvy, I mean, think about that. And, 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 and for our babies and our young folks, you know, even when I want to just reaffirm and, and look that word up in its purest form, it said things are upside down. And when we think about that. This young lady and her predicament, you know, gives us, you know, an unfortunate backdrop to understanding not only physical ailments, but spiritual ailments and and societal ailments when things seem to go topsy-turvy. You know, we look at this text and it's, and it's a healthy challenge for, for us men on today because usually women have to look at all of the patriarchs of the text and women have to try to find themselves in a story that usually involves a man. But we know this is not about, you know, gender. This is about humanity. So it's going to be a healthy challenge for men on today because we need to accept that challenge to find ourselves in this example of this story of this woman in this text. Can't go on without saying, you know, Luke is probably one of my favorite gospel writers because of his attention to all the details. I, I love stories and I love all the gritty details of a story. And Luke gives us that. And just for all the note takers at home, um, I would be remiss without, you know, just acknowledging, you know, especially as I talk about genders and women finding, you know, themselves through men's stories in a text. Luke is actually probably the best friend of women. You know, Luke, he actually lifts up, you know, he notices the unnoticed women that other gospel writers may overlook. You know, it's Luke that lifts up, you know, these these women all throughout the text. You know, you can start with, you know, even with the um with the birth stories, he gives this 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 deeper understanding, this extended text on Elizabeth in chapter one. He lifts up Anna, you know, the prophetess in, in chapter two, and Mary in chapters one and two. You know, there's a woman that's called a sinner that anoints Jesus' feet in chapter seven. He lifts up women disciples in chapter eight there's a woman that's searching for a lost coin in chapter 15. A persistent widow that's petitioning this unjust judge in chapter 18 and he talks about the sorrowful women that are on their way to the cross in chapter 23 and even the woman who had the two mice we understand the principle of giving from this woman with two mites that that Luke lifts up, and even those women who are the first at the empty tomb. So Luke gives us all sorts of examples. I just don't want to, I got to do Luke some justice on today. It's not just this example, but Luke gives us many examples that we can understand, not only our patriarchs, but our matriarchs in the text. And this one unnoticed, otherwise unnoticed woman, Luke lifts her up in the text on today. He talks about in this text, I mean, can you imagine this image of, you know, you'll see Bible commentators talk about, you know, uh, the, the spinal disorder that, 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 that we would pretty much, you know, be accustomed to now. You know, and many folks still have, you know, uh, spinal, you know, disorders. And, but this woman was, you know, we can almost glean that she was almost perpendicular. I mean, can you imagine having your chest almost parallel to your knees? And this experience that she had, but what I like about this story is that we find her in Jesus on their Sabbath day in the synagogue. And what that tells me is that she did not allow her condition to actually be a label over herself and how she understood herself, nor did she allow her condition to be this, this determinant of how she understood her relationship with God. That's a word for us on today. We uh, work in a community. You all share with us at Christ Quest where we are actually in. If When Memphis is ranked number one in all the wrong areas in the nation, our zip code where their church is, where our church is, where we live, I say it with all due respect, is where our work is number one in Memphis. So it's literally ground zero for a lot of the challenges we have in the United States of America. So many times in my sermon context, I'm always lifting stories like this, Pastor Matt, because I'm challenging us that if a person is struggling with drugs and alcohol, we don't call the person a crackhead or, or drunk. Because as this woman understood, you never identify a person by the thing they're most challenged with. Can you imagine, you know, uh, if, if, if I had a wart on my forehead and folks call me Mr. Wart, <laughs> here comes Reverend Ward walking down the street what that would do to me, but this woman, she allowed, because many times, the world may do that to us children. I mean, there can be, kids can get mean in school, but when we understand ourselves, who we are in God, and we understand our relationship with God, is totally different from a societal ill that we may have. This is what this young lady understood in the text. But she was dealing with this issue for 18 years. I mean, can you imagine, maybe it was from birth. We don't get that distinction. You know, we hear some distinctions in the gospels, you know, lame from your mother's womb and things that are nature, born blind. We don't get that distinction. But so maybe it was, and now you've been from birth to 18 years old in this predicament. Maybe she was 18. Can you imagine if she was 18 and developed this condition over time? And when the lifespan for a woman in, in, this, in first century Palestine was probably 36 years old, That means this woman could, you know, we can allude that she could almost even be at the end of her life even, or just getting started. But we see in this text that she's in the sanctuary, but she's in a position where she could in no wise, in no way, lift herself up. Every condition that we experience, even this condition of our global pandemic of 2020, we have to be careful if we choose to ascribe this condition, it's God trying to punish us. I mean, God doesn't have to play games so that God could just snap God's finger and just turn the whole lights out on the whole situation. But we have to understand that a lot of things happen. Yes, there's a such thing as chemical warfare. Yes, there's a such thing as the things that we do in in, in our society. We've had bird flu, we've had swine flu, and, and we've had animals that have become the first indicators of these things, but it wasn't the animal's fault. Many times it's our own ingenuity and ambition and our own you know, search for being more efficient and being able to gather more that these things become an unhealthy byproduct. But we have to be careful and not make God a monster when we have difficult and challenging situations. Even Jesus in this text talked about this spirit not being of a wholesome spirit, even the enemy that was desiring to hold this woman down. This is what we have to understand even when we look at this text, it's what we have to understand even as we process what we're experiencing right now in 2020. But she had this infirmity. She had this thing for 18 years. But again, we know that when we look to the text, we can't make God a monster. I mean, think about it. I mean, the Bible informs us the spirit of God says, against the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of God says, I wish above all things that you would prosper in being good health, good health, even as your soul prospers. The spirit of God informs us in Hosea 6 and 1, come let us return to the Lord. The Lord will heal us. The Spirit of God informs us that by his stripes we are healed. The Spirit of God informs us that there is a balm in Gilead. That he is a healer of the nations. So we want to be careful even when we deal with what we're dealing with now that we don't make God a monster during challenging times. But we see that this was going on and and this physical ailment. and and, And just to think about what this person might be enduring even though the issue may not be of God, even though the issue may not be a determinant of how a person needs to understand themselves, even though a bad condition should not determine your relationship with your faith, let's not underestimate that this woman was going through some stuff. Can you imagine being bent over like this? I mean, your, your whole life and your whole perspective is a downward perspective. Your whole perspective is, you know, ident- identifying folks by, by sandals and maybe even the smell of your feet. I mean, can you imagine if your whole perspective was downward? Your whole perspective was, was at one of the most, you know, abased forms of society where you have to understand the ground. I'm teaching one of my babies how to drive, and, and, and we were hitting potholes in South Memphis. There's a whole lot of potholes. And I'm like, like baby, you got to glance down at the road, then hold your head back up. But can you imagine if it wasn't just that you got to stay down? I mean, she couldn't drive, she had to keep her head down. I mean, so there's one thing to be able to glance down, but to have a whole perspective that's upside down. This is what this young lady was going through things were every day topsy turvy in her life. This is how we need to understand even what we're going through now because it's a challenge in that although all of us are in the same predicament, all of us are wearing masks and in the same perspective, there are some folks that experience topsy-turvy all the more different than other folks. There are some of us that we can glance down and then keep our head to the sky, but there are some folks that their whole perspective is down because life has burdened them and they find themselves living out a topsy-turvy existence. Isn't it wonderful again that she was in the sanctuary? That she still sought to worship? I mean, so, you know, because this physical condition You know, I want to go there in spirit. Let me start with the physical. You know, when you're bent over like that, it makes your heart work harder because you're you're bent over. When you're bent over like that, you know, there is a decrease in your blood pressure because your body is perpendicular. When you're bent over like that, I mean, your organs don't fully function the way that they should function because, again, your blood pressure is dropping. I mean, when you're bent over like that, there's a tendency, of course, for for blood to pull to your brain. And now you don't think as clearly as you would normally think. So now your rational thought is off. When you're bent over like that, all of a sudden, now your your vision can become blurred and you don't see things as clearly as you would normally see them. Topsy-turvy. Say it to the children in our simplest form, topsy-turvy is simply to be upside down. But when I went on topsy-turvy also means an expanded definition is that when the top or the head is downward. Topsy-turvy also means when things are in utter confusion or disorder. So when we think about that, I mean, there are some things that are not just physically topsy-turvy now, but we have some spiritual and some psychosocial emotional things going on in our lives that are revealing that we just might be living a topsy-turvy existence. I mean, there's something topsy-turvy about the structure of things, you know, when in six months we can almost cripple our nation. There's something topsy-turvy about the fact that half of our society can experience a speed bump, but the other half falls into a deep ditch. There's something topsy-turvy when, you know, we have at the same time the number one child hunger rate and the child obesity rate. There's something topsy-turvy when a school-aged child can understand that red and blue equals purple, but grown folks don't understand that red states and blue states still needs to be secondarily to a unified nation. Come on, tell your neighbor things are topsy-turvy. I mean, but, but, but we have to understand, as Jesus understood, that sometimes people just want to profit from your pain. In our neighborhood, you know, we have, you know, a whole lot of, you know, uh, used car lots. And I always tell folks, you know, watch those guys that make their lemonade, you know. Want to just sell you a lemon and then you got to give aid to it. <laughs> you know, because somebody wants to profit from a car, you know, you know, our, the cars, man, wife, driver, we go to the Blue Book, they're both worth about $5,000. But in my neighborhood, they'll put $5,000 down on that car because folks want to profit from your economic pain. Pharmaceutical companies, and even the doctors we beloved, many times in that system, there are some some shadowy parts that that if you fully get healed, then a pharmaceutical company can't make the money. There's something about if you get your own house, then a slumlord cannot continue to make money off you. There's something about if you truly get your peace of mind, then a psychiatrist and all the mental health professionals can't fully survive. So there are some healthy aspects to all the things I mentioned, but there's also some shadowy aspects because, in essence, people profit from our pain. This woman, I imagine, like the woman with the issue of blood, probably went to a lot of doctors, you know, and, and had, you know, the woman with the issue of blood had, had given up all she had, and there were individuals in first century Palestine that had profited from her pain. Oh, but I don't want to leave you there. Let me go on ahead and 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 race to a close. Y'all know that means ten more minutes in the Baptist church. But she's but, but here. Jesus comes on the scene. And here's the part that I get excited about. Because look at verse 12. Just get a chance to have your text still open. The Bible says, even though she was in this way for 18 years, verse 11, she was bowed together and in no wise could lift herself up. That means that she had a condition that was longstanding, that a condition that had these physical and societal and social ramifications. Do you think it was, you know, that it wasn't, that she had, to have courage to come to church every day in front of, you know, churches, can we can still be a judgmental crowd, but to come to church in the midst of the public square at the most prominent hour of the week, and she would come in knowing she was in that condition? My God, just the courage alone. I mean, she was bound together, had these these, these psychosocial, emotional, not just physical ramifications, but then she was bound because the Bible says that she could in no way lift herself up. Anybody ever been there? Who you're experiencing a psycho, social, emotional, or physical condition and you can't get yourself out of it? And to be all the worst that society has structures in place that keep you in it? But in verse 12, the Bible says Jesus saw her. And when Jesus sees folks, oh, he sees all the way through. It's not just, you know, I remember the man laying at the gate. You know, everybody saw them. But, you know, you know Peter and John he said, now you look on us. You know, I mean, Jesus saw her. Y'all remember the woman that named when Jesus saw her. I mean, he went and the one that was dead rose up. So it's something very essential. This is not just a casual glance. When Jesus gives anybody attention, you can be assured that a change is about to happen. Jesus saw her, but not only that, he called her to him, and then he said something to her they this was not a healing experience it's not oh come on out we're gonna have a healing service this sabbath this was not a healing experience this was just a regular everyday sunday go to meeting experience this woman was just exercising her faith just giving worship as she would normally do she was not coming to expect healing but because she did not allow her condition to divine her, because she did not allow her condition to determine her relationship with God, she was in the right place when Jesus was there. Can you imagine? Her? If we look at the text, Jesus had stopped, you know, Pastor Ben, he wasn't even going to the synagogue anymore. We don't even see it been a long time since Jesus has even been in the synagogue. But on this particular day, he happens to say, you know what, I'm going to start back visiting the synagogue. This woman, not looking for a healing experience, actually was there, and Jesus saw her. That meant that she put herself in a position to listen for the Word of God just by coming to church. But then she was positioned there on that Sunday. Now she can listen to the Word of God because she came near. See, we have to not only be in a position to listen for, we gotta come, but then we have to draw closer to God and draw closer to our kingdom growth plan because all of our lives have a purpose for that. And it means that we not only come to listen to, but we're listening for what is my unique role in building the kingdom of God during these challenging times. Jesus said a word to her. Oh, we hear this text oftentimes being lifted as in a, in a context. I've heard it before with, with, with lifting up uh, of, 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 of women in different texts and televangelists grab this part. And it says, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And that is an awesome word. That meant that in that one statement, Jesus spoke something altogether different than I imagined what she had heard. You just got it, in our society now, thousands of years later, we can understand that if we were trying to describe, you know the woman that's bent over like an upside down you. You know, Sister Horseshoe over there. You couldn't help but to describe her if someone is bent over. Jesus did not speak this kind of, you know, deficit over a life. Jesus spoke life to a dead situation. Jesus says, woman, thou art loose. And can you imagine when when Jesus did that and we spoke, you know, life to her, you know, all these things and and all these experiences are now beginning to change. I mean, Jesus, she was in a position to listen to. She put herself in a position to to, to hear from him. But can you imagine after that, you know, even though she got the word, nothing happened. Many times we can preach and we can teach and it seems like nothing is happening in society. Because when Jesus says that, and she gets the word, we don't see the change yet. But we can't get discouraged as preachers, as fellow laity, as teachers of the gospel because we are preaching and we're teaching and we're giving a word and we don't see an immediate change because think about all the stuff that it took to get in that position. You know, when I talk about all the things that it took, if we've been bound and been in a hard economic hardship, you know, and 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 have don't have the skills necessary to to really get ahead right now or if we've been dealing with, you know, you know, you know, uh, any type of, you know, uh, mental health disorder for years and we have to get adjusted to that over time. All of these things don't just happen overnight, but it does not mean that God does not see us. It does not mean that God is not near. It does not mean that the word of God is of none effect. Think about it. This woman was in that way for 18 years. 18 years of being able to to wipe her feet but not wipe her face. I mean 18 years of being able to smell folks feet, but you can't smell the flowers in the field. 18 years of identifying folks by their sandals, but not by their face. 18 years of grabbing trash from the ground but not the treasures off the top shelf. 18 years of in no way being able to get beyond even the society eels, or having the personal strength and wherewithal to lift herself up up if i was there it would be hard when i hear someone speaking the word of god over my life for me to to really grasp that yeah you saying something but i'm feeling something you're saying something today but i've been experiencing something for the third generation in this way and you know jesus said that to her and sometimes when we hear the word of god i want to remind folks of all Christ's folks and all the redeemer folks you have to know that when you hear a powerful word of god that's speaking change over your life that word is not for somebody else that word is for you i mean all through the text when when when, when god says woman there are loose man thou art loose that is a word for you That no matter what it is that has had us bound, and don't just think the ugly stuff of drugs and alcohol. Sometimes there is a mental chain on our brain that's all the more strong. Matter of fact, alcohol is the only addiction that's physical. The others are psychological. So there can be a chain on our brain, what we're dealing with, you know, that God is saying that we can be loose from that. You know, blessed in the, in the city, you know, you be blessed in the field, that you're more than a conqueror, that you're the head and not the tail, you're on the top and not the bottom, you're healed and not sick, free and not bound, those words of life, not just words of, 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 of affirmation. Affirmations are okay, but in the word of God, we have words of confession that are much more stronger than affirmation. Jesus was talking to her. Jesus this word is still speaking to us But what I like about it is that not only did Jesus give her a word But Jesus lastly Jesus gave her a touch That means that we have to seek another level in our carrying out of the gospel during these times Yes, we have to give the word, but then we're going to have to give some action and I gotta acknowledge these two congregations when I just hit me in this point of members of Christ Quest and members of Redeemer that are being active, not just in the word and keeping the gospel going for. but I know what you're doing, Redeemer, cause you're hanging out all the way over at Christ Quest and supporting that ministry in so many ways. Christ Quest, I see you every day and what you're doing and keeping the faith alive in our community. And this is what God is calling us to to give the word, but also to give another level of engagement. And in a time that we can't physically touch, don't think a physical touch is the ultimate touch. Have you ever got a kind word from, from a mother when you were off in college or a father, you know, gave you encouragement when you were about to throw in the towel and they were miles away? A physical touch is sometimes, you know, that's still the carnal thing. But Jesus gave this touch, and his touch was more than just a touch. I mean, she got the word. She got the touch. I mean, this transformation that happened because the Bible says, then there is an immediate. So the word and carrying forth the ministry did not give the immediate, but when there was the word and the touch, then we see the change. It says, when he laid his hands on her in verse 13, immediately she was made straight. That means to redeem her in Christ's quest, we have to keep doing the work. Even in a topsy-turvy world, because we don't know when that moment is going to happen, that things are going to be made straight. What we have to be found doing is doing the work and continuing to let the gospel go forth, continuing to do ministry, because we don't know when that immediate is coming. Oh, but when the immediate came for her, Can't you imagine this woman for 18 years and now all of a sudden, you know, you know, that blood that had been pooling around her head and lungs began to drain. I mean, can't you imagine her vision came back and now she could see clearly? Can't you imagine, you know, her head settled and now she can have rational thought. Her blood pressure level, her organs began to function the way that they should function because God went to another level and gave her a touch when we begin to stay faithful to the Word of God during these times, when we begin to continue to position ourselves to hear the Word of God, but also to go the next level and to act all the more on the Word of God. We'll continue to minister our brothers and sisters and to see not only our speed bump, but to see the economic pit that our brothers and sisters have fallen into. To not only see the speed bump of our health, but see the healthy, unhealthy pit that our neighbors have fallen into. We can begin to get close to what Jesus was trying to communicate, what Luke was trying to help lift up during this story. Because just like that, we can change a topsy-turvy world. We can have the top to head our leaders that seem to be looking downward you know, leaders that seem to be in people and culture and society that we seem now to see the most abased part of each other. I mean, old feelings and moods and things that hopefully many had suppressed are beginning to rise up to the surface because of a topsy-turvy world. But we need to help turn things the right way. That those things that need to be suppressed will be suppressed again. That those leaders at the top won't just look down, but would look up, look to the hills, as we all should. That we can learn from the school children that, that red and blue states make purple. It's one unified nation that we're all a part of that we can begin to understand that that, that we never know with doing the work when God is going to straighten things out and we want to be a part of straightening out this topsy-turvy experience that we have. Come on, they hung Jesus up on the cross. Jesus had to go down in the hollow of a grave. But I'm so glad that third day morning, those things that were topsy-turvy were made straight again for he got up with all power in his hands. Power to save, power to heal, power to deliver, power to help us straighten out a topsy-turvy world. Won't that be a part of your work on today? We pray and trust that this word will benefit you, that will take you further in your faith formation on your journey, that when things are topsy-turvy, we have the power, we have the relationship to help make things straight. God bless you on today.